Hello and welcome to this episode of It's Not That Deep and today we'll be discussing why do we see things so differently. Really this has come about as a something I've been thinking about a lot recently as our clients are bringing it into the consulting room um, and what's going on for them is that they are um, disagreeing with a partner and wanting to prove, each one wanting to prove that they were right, Mm -hmm. like this disagreement, which might be about a tone of voice or, you know, the intention behind a comment. Or a text message that was meant with, you know, that we misinterpret. Absolutely. And they're they're seeing that as being the same thing as, you know, settling an argument over what's the capital of Belize. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we don't have and we can never have enough evidence to prove who's right or wrong in an argument. And yet we have this sort of compulsion. And I think, you know, talking to others, I think as humans we have this sense of what's fair and just, um, right or wrong, good, bad, don't we? Absolutely, and I think, I think that, that is often what's underneath it. I remember um, when I was studying, actually, um, and somebody had had a disagreement what, uh, about when we were when we were uh, discussing something in class and what she said was if we recorded it what you'd hear is that this is what was said and that led to a really interesting conversation about even if you could get back to those objective words would it make any difference mm-hmm. right because because the argument was about what was meant behind those words yeah and you can't see inside someone else's head to really know what their intention was absolutely everybody interprets it differently and that comes down to you know what their prior experiences are and how they had how they've interpreted things in the past and what things have meant to them in the past and right. they... I, I think that is the point at which we should explore that right because and, and we've touched on this, I think, a, cu- a couple of times, that all that prior stuff, every bit of experience that you've experienced, that I've experienced in our lives, has made our version of reality completely unique, even as an identical twin, brought up in the same household, etc., completely unique, because different things will have happened to those identical twins, right? Absolutely. So therefore we view the world through our own unique lens and we don't always remember that. We don't always recognise it. And then we get really cross or upset when people do something that doesn't fall within the way we would have done it with our version of reality. And there lies the the tension doesn't it yeah absolutely I remember when I was studying a lecturer used a a great example and I use it all the time with clients which is that two people go to a football match and they support the opposing teams right so they are objectively they're at the same game but subjectively they have watched entirely different matches Mm. right one of them has watched a a great win over a over a local rival and the other one has watched um the referee be really unfair and send their player off or whatever right yeah the, the other team would have thought the ref was brilliant on this game yeah so they have had they've been they've been at different games even though they've been in the same stadium yeah it's a great analogy and and it's hard sometimes to remember that. We think we're all human. We talk so much about how many of the shame, shame, same traits we share. 
in terms of, you know, for compassion reasons, recognising that we all feel this stuff and we all go through this stuff. It's really important to tune into that sense of similarity. But there is this underlying sense of difference in, in our viewpoint, in our way that, that, that we take a view on certain things. And, and that leads to our kind of sort of ethics and morals and stuff. Why we really should choose a partner who shares many of those morals and, and, and ethical viewpoints, right? Because otherwise you must be in constant conflict with the partner if it doesn't, if it doesn't align. And that's a really key thing for relationships, isn't it, actually? Um, so, yeah. Sorry, I completely lost my train of thought then because I just suddenly thought, what must it be like to be with a partner that, that has very different political viewpoint yeah. or, you know, moral views? I think you have to have enough in common. Yes. Um, and, and, and often, I think, couples share some form of political belief, even yeah. if they're even if the shades are slightly different but there are lots of couples where that's not the case um but then i think i think as long as there are enough shared core values core values that's what i'm looking for yeah yeah so that recognition then that we have these differences in the way that we view the world why don't we tap into that when we're in the middle of a sort of heated argument about, but you said this and the way in which you said that was really upsetting. And really... Because I think often they trigger things from our past, right? So we're back to the, the, the sedimented beliefs, that, that, that soup in which we grew up mm. um, and things mean different things. When I first got together with my partner, um, when he washes up, he washes up very loudly. <laughs> and I used to get really triggered by that when we were first together. And it took me ages to realise that that's because when my mother washes pans noisily, there was, a, there was a message behind that, which was, I'm not getting any help. I'm in the kitchen on my own and everyone else is watching telly or whatever. So there was a definite... Uh, what happened in my body, I realised, was this immediate rush of guilt... And therefore, defensiveness, mm. which he couldn't understand at all because all he was doing was washing a saucepan. Yeah, and I bet if you zoom out a little bit, you'll see that actually I do plenty to contribute and, and for him to do the washing up. That's okay for me not to. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I think we all bring that to it. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so we, we, we don't just listen to the words people use. We also listen to tone and body language and all of these other things, all of that makes communication. Mm. But what we do is we interpret that. Based on the way in which we've experienced other people and their way of speaking and their way of communicating, yeah. And, and I think text messaging, emails, I mean we don't really email our partners that much I would imagine or, or close friends, we're much more likely to text or WhatsApp now. But there's still this huge chunk missing then, isn't there? You can't see the smile on their face. I mean, I always joke that that's why emojis were created. Well, I think right? it was. I think it's really, you know, you don't have it in email, but I think it's really important to put a little winky emoji or something if you know it could be loaded, like there could be a misinterpretation. So we do need to 
to kind of caveat that with a smiley face or a love heart or a kissy wink or whatever those emojis are to sort of say, you know, I'm only only teasing or something. Yeah, or I'm being sarcastic yeah. or whatever it is, you know. I'm, you know, I'm saying the opposite of what I actually yeah, think. Yeah, with the eye roll emoji. Yeah, exactly. But right. if we don't have the tone of voice, it can be really difficult yeah. to, to get that. And I hear a lot from clients about, you know, having was having this conversation with my partner and then it escalated into an argument. And it takes me a while to... To realize that that what they're talking about is a is a text conversation it's a whatsapp conversation not a not a verbal one oh scary scary territory <laughs> yeah pick up the phone or, you know if you're not together or just speak to each other you know i think yeah that's the same with the kids as well mm. you know why why have a row over a text message it's just it, it's so liable to go wrong and i think you're right it's it's a, it's like a magnification of what happens verbally. So even verbally, you know, we hear something in a tone of voice and we react to that. Mm-hmm. So then we start saying, well, don't use that tone, to which our partners say, I'm not using any tone, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm raising my voice because you raised your voice. I didn't raise my voice. Now I'm raising my voice. <laughs> you want to hear what raising your voice sounds like? <laughs> Um, and, and I was just thinking, though, actually, you know, sometimes the writing it can be more helpful because mm-hmm. you can take some time to craft something that's well thought out. But it's that immediacy of WhatsApp or something when you're back and forthing that can can be so so unhelpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and particularly if you're standing together in the kitchen, right, having that oh, conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but people used to say, didn't they, if you're going to write a complaint email or something or draft an email to your boss that was you know a bit uh, contentious, you know, write it, put it in drafts, leave it. So there is something to be said about buying ourselves a bit of time mm. that we don't do in the midst of a verbal argument. Yeah. Absolutely. And actually, that is something that I suggest to clients, right? Because what happens is we get really triggered. And then what we're doing is we're wanting to prove that we're right, that you did use that tone of voice or you did raise your voice to me. And the other person is is equally incensed that why did you not just take my intention behind it, which was which was to be either neutral or, or, or pleasant and and what you've heard is something else, right? So taking a bit of time out to allow that prefrontal cortex to come back online once it's been triggered off can be really helpful. Really hard to do. Yeah, and and, it, and that's key, isn't it? You know, if it's with our partners, or, you know, I, when in the course that I teach, one of the modules is all around interpersonal mindfulness, so all about communication. And... Um, we always talk about, you know, if there's someone you don't know very well or really don't like, you can actually just end communication with them. <laughs> they don't have to be in your life anymore, right? But often, difficult communication occurs with the life partner or a child or even a work colleague you have to see every single day, right? Yeah. It's the same thing. So you can continue to, to have um, conflict or we ha- you have to find a way to make it work, right? And when there are people we love and we've chosen to be with what you mentioned just now about sort of trusting that actually are they a mean horrible person that's trying to upset us or did perhaps I you know maybe there is some responsibility on my part for hearing it 
in a way in which it wasn't intended. Yeah. Um, did, you won't use the word trust. Yeah. Trust in the relationship, I suppose. Trust in yeah in them as a person. Yes, absolutely, and and in yourself for having kind of chosen that person, right? So, all of these things are stories. Okay, we tell ourselves the. St- it's a story that they used a particular tone, mm. which they meant to use. Now, I may well have heard it, but it doesn't mean that it was intended to be there, right? So there are other stories we can tell to, to explain this situation. And one of those might be that they're being kind, that, there is, that the intention behind it is positive, even if it's come out rather crassly or, you know, it, it's not been delivered in a way that I like to hear it. It's the Dalai Lama that said judge people by the a- their intentions, not the action. Because sometimes we do make mistakes, right? Yeah. So it may not even be just something we said, it might be something we did. Um, a decision we made, a choice we made. And, and it's, you know, stepping back to think, did they actually do that to upset me? You know, was it a direct personal thing in order to make me upset? And... Let's face it, I think if we're all honest, in, 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 what, 9,999 times out of 10,000, the intention was probably a good one or perhaps a bit thoughtless or something. You know, it may even have been a, a bad decision that they made, but was it expressly to upset us? If we take that step back, the chances are probably not. No, no. And it's really hard to see that in the moment, right? Once once you've been triggered, then it's very hard to step back and have those and have those thoughts. Yeah, the, all the physiological stuff we've been talking about in previous episodes—the whoosh of chemicals around the body, the you know rational logical brain going offline—all of that stuff just becomes a sort of a chaos fest for not thinking clearly, not seeing what's happening having this huge surge of kind of maybe you know adrenaline or something rushing through the body um we need to catch it yeah we need to catch it before mouth engages almost don't we absolutely and and that's and that's difficult it takes a lot of practice to get there you know and when I'm talking to clients about it you know well one of the things that we talk about is can you can you once that started to happen can you step away just for a couple of minutes you know, to breathe, to, to, to gather yourself and be able to rationally think. What's helpful? Yeah, what's helpful here? Would it and, be- and what might be helpful is to say, I need five minutes more or I, I don't want to talk about this today. I need to go to bed and, and just calm down a bit, you know, um, and that's hard too. Yes, because absolutely. of the response we might get back. Absolutely, because the other person may well be triggered by that, right? So, so, so then they're they're pursuing us round because they need a resolution. Yeah. Before. I want to talk about it now. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. So, so one of the things that you can do is is have a prior arrangement that that's what you will do, right? Mm-hmm. So, if this is a pattern of behaviour, keeping doing the same thing, we're going to get the same result. Dance the dance. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a, there's a, it, it's a quote ascribed to Einstein, although I'm, I'm pretty sure he didn't say it, which is that, that the definition of madness is to keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so what, you, what, what you want to do is set up the possibility of doing something different in that situation. It takes a bit of bravery, doesn't it, to sit down and say, look, we keep falling into the same pattern where 
you know, I'm misinterpreting you or you're misinterpreting me and then we're kind of falling out and neither of us, you know, is necessarily right or wrong. I think that's important that, you know, we both feel right. A, it's not provable, right? But secondly, maybe there's space for me to think I'm right and you to think you're right and us both be right in the fact that we feel like that. Yes. Um, and it doesn't matter whether it's true or not, that's currently how we're feeling. I'm overcomplicating it. This is, if anyone's listening to this, that's thinking this is how you have the conversation, no, be much more clear than this. It needs to just be said, we fall into this pattern. And, and essentially, you know, if we know that it's happening, perhaps one of us can recognise it happening and say, this is one of those moments. Why don't we both kind of take a few minutes or something and not fall into that pattern or agree to, to sort of disagree that, okay, you know, we're both seeing this from a different viewpoint. Can that be okay? Yes. Can we can we be all right with us having a different opinion about mm. that? And it's interesting, isn't it, that idea of having that conversation at a moment of peace when mm. things are going well. And that brings with it an anxiety of, well, will I prompt something to happen? Everything is nice just now. Why would I raise the possibility yeah. of... What do you mean? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> So it is bravery, right? Is. But, but if, if, if what you both want to do is change that pattern of behaviour, then you need that, you need one of you to be brave enough to raise it mm-hmm. at a moment of calm where you can kind of negotiate a, a safe word or a, you know, a, oh, this is, you this know, is one of this moments. is one of those, you know. Um, I think most people would on the other end, are probably well aware that this is happening too and probably quite appreciative yeah. of the fact that it's being talked about at a peaceful and calm time. Absolutely. I think I think that comes from our own yeah. insecurities about do I want to risk upsetting the apple cart when things are, you know, yeah. are, are nice and smooth. But you're right. I, it, generally, I suspect, neither party is happy with that status mm. quo. Yeah, it's not fun, is it? No. And so the, I think, the, again, drawing out these key points then, it's like recognising, uh, the first one is, you know, just because I think I'm right, am I right? Can we, or what I teach my clients is, but through the act of meditation, we learn to kind of get a bit of distance on our experience, so noticing body sensations that are indicating that, that we're being a bit triggered, or, or it's kind of a, you know, the word we use is this zooming out to look, what lens am I looking through this at? You know, if I was in a good mood, <laughs> would I be interpreting this in the same way? What do I come to this communication with already? I've had yeah. a terrible day at work, the kids have played up, you know. So actually stepping back to go, I'm not actually in a good communicative state anyway. So recognising that I might, my view might be skewed, that it might be the lens of, you know, frustration that I'm looking at this through. Um, and then the other key thing is kind of, is thinking, again, to having that step back to go, can I look at whether they meant it like that? You know, am I hearing it in the way that they truly meant? When they're saying I really didn't mean it like that, you know, even if it came across like that, like you said before, clunky and, you know, a bit crass or something, can we kind of hold on to that? Well, I'm sure they didn't mean to upset me. Um, but catching it, recognising that something has gone a bit awry, yeah. 
yeah enables that pause right absolutely and as you say you know is it possible for us both to be right and wrong right now and be okay with that you know how do we take that moment to think this is not one of those facts that we can look up and check that somebody yeah. is is right you know this is not a capital of belize question this is this is a this is a an interpreting intention situation therefore can we be okay with we were both right and wrong and then let it go yeah you know it needs to be let go of doesn't it it yes. can't be can't ever be addressed again kind of thing it doesn't need to be does it if there's that compromise and and whenever people talk about relationships and it's regardless of who the relationship is with right it's not just partners kids work colleagues you know some kind of compromise in order for a sort of more harmonious arrangement is worth it so worth it yeah yeah you know i think i think it's really important i i did um I'm digressing slightly, but I remember working with someone who I we discussed, you know, the language that they use because that can be really loaded, right? And if we can catch the choice of the way we phrase something, it can be really triggering for the other person intentionally, or we we don't have to if we can really catch it before it happens. Um, and the, you know, the person that I was working with felt quite aggrieved that they felt like they were doing all the work. But was it making for a more harmonious situation? And the answer was yes. So isn't it worth it then? You know, it may feel like a little bit of work initially to be changing the way we're doing stuff. But ultimately that'll become the new way, the yeah. new habit. Yes, and if and if your goal is for a more harmonious way of being and being able to to interpret things more positively, you know, let's make that assumption. So we have to retrain our brains. Yeah. We have to put in the, that work to, to form that neural connection so that that's where we automatically go as opposed to the old, you know, everybody's getting at me um, way of being. Yeah, yeah. And then life's a bit nicer. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's what we're about, well, isn't it? <laughs> trying to make everybody's lives a bit nicer day by day. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that was a great chat. Thank you. You've been listening to It's Not That Deep with Lucy Woods and Adrienne Kirk. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe so you never miss an episode?